the year is 1994. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we're going through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, this is Dave, and you might have noticed Charlotte's not here. And Dave, normally I do a long introduction, but I want to get right to the point today. (laughs) Charlotte is off at an anime convention, and you know what that means. This week, it's just the two of us. The dynamic duo, the gruesome twosome, the original bad boys of podcasting. When the girls are away, the boys will podcast. My Malevolous Year. I love boys, 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 boys I do adore. Put your number on this paper, because boy, I want to podcast with you. Record with you when you come off tour. Sing it. Sing it. That's right. We finally, finally have two men, two white men, <laughs> talking about <laughs> comics. I know you've been craving it Finally, for comics time. are for the boys again. Finally, a boys club where boys can <laughs> play my goodness it's been too long uh but yeah we'll, we'll miss charlotte this week uh she'll be back soon i imagine but we are going to be talking about the comics of 1994 part three we're going to be doing some incredible hulk then iron man and force works uh and, and this is actually a good smattering of hey what are marvel comics like in 1994 like there's some good mm-hmm. sort of what's yeah. going on in the marvel universe what's going on in the world of avengers um, there's some some interesting just kind of like touch points here to get a feel for what was it like to be a Marvel fan in 1994 and some f- pretty interesting work, honestly. Um, yeah. There will be plenty to talk about here for sure. So, yeah, this is my Marvel this year. You know, the club we read through Marvel Comics from its origins to today. And we're going to start with Incredible Hulk. If you want to find all the comics that we're reading, you can find them listed in the show notes. We'll list them for next week as well. Uh, And then if you want, like, the whole spreadsheet, you want the whole thing in front of you as we've started from 1961 and now we're making our way through the 1990s, you can find that over at patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to the spreadsheet and um, and you can check out, you know, if you want to read in advance, if you want to go back and read stuff, you don't necessarily have to use the show notes if you do it that way. Oh, speaking of ways you can support the show, Zach, mm. speaking, of, speaking of boys being boys, uh-huh. nothing makes me happier. Nothing makes me feel more like a man than getting a nice iTunes review. Getting a oh, nice yeah, iTunes yeah, review, yeah, yeah. and I go upstairs, I puff out my chest, <laughs> my wife says, what's wrong, do you need to go to the hospital? <laughs> I say, no, I'm fine, uh, I just got a cool it's new like you're, review. You're breathing you really about. weird, it's kind of a still Yeah, yeah. Like, why, yeah. <laughs> like why is one shoulder so much lower than the other, what is happening? Um, but yeah, no, it's new reviews are awesome, we got some new ones on iTunes in November 2021, and they are delightful. So if you like the show... And you have time to do that. It seriously helps us out. Uh, I thought for sure deal. you were going in the direction of manscaping somehow. You're like, nothing makes me feel like a man. And I thought you were going to be like, smooth balls. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And but like, we don't have to do, do that read anymore. Read at the beginning. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I've, just, I've gotten so accustomed to uh, to doing reads for Manscaped that I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep doing them well past the point of our contract <laughs> with Manscaped. Um, uh, all right. Let's, let's talk Incredible Hulk. Let's start there. We read issues 417 through 420 uh the first two issues here so everything's written by peter david uh, who's been on hulk forever and will be on hulk forever um mm. but we got pencils here by gary frank Wait, which still, i had completely he's, forgotten he's still running on it forever because like at this point it's like six years so he's he's got more time on incredible hulk to go we're ne- we're nearing the end of the peter david era uh, as okay. we as we approach sort of the end of an era for marvel as a whole like that is that is it actually I take that back. No, he like he's on Hulk forever, Zach. Forever. You know it's what? an incredibly I, I was, long. I was run. thinking that because we were reading this, and it's like I loved this. Like just to put it out there, I, like these four issues, I was like I was having a blast with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was like, wait, it has been Peter, Peter David since like the beginning of this run, right? I was like back. He was the Todd McFarlane days with this. Like I, I had to double check because like my memory was 
it's pretty poor and i was like wait he he was doing the todd mcfarlane stuff when hulk first started getting like really nasty right but those were like kind of mean and that maybe that wasn't peter david because these are so like funny and light on their feet and then i had to check and i was like oh yeah of course it's like he's been on this since like 86 i think um so like, yeah, yeah no like we're we're in like run. six seven year territory on this run for him as a writer um it is it, because he's on the title so long there are a lot of different eras and takes yeah. you know on styles of hulk right like i think i think his run is largely defined by hey what phase of hulk are we in you know are we in destructive classic hulk are we in joe fix it las yep. vegas hulk are we in uh, smart, intelligent, talking, hanging out with the Pantheon Hulk, you know, which is kind of where we are in 417 through 420. Um, but what I was saying there is we have pencils uh, here by Gary Frank, who is a critically acclaimed artist now, has done really um, uh, most of his work. I think that like superhero fans know in the 2000s is stuff with Jeff Johns at DC Comics. Like he did Doomsday Clock, for example, which is a comic that has a whole lot of problems in my view, but artistically is Real nice looking, and uh, Gary Frank's a heck of an artist. So it's kind of cool to see these early uh, works of his in issues 417 and 418 because they're pretty good. Like, these are good looking comics. I think, you know, to the point of having fun with these, Zach, like, Peter David knows how to pace a Hulk comic uh, pretty and, and keep it light on its feet, I think. You know, 420's mm-hmm. not light on its feet, but like, these are, these go down smooth. These go down smooth and easy, um, and, uh, and that's kind of appreciated, especially when you read something like a force works which we'll get to but all right. <laughs> yeah yeah they're very it's, it's a very uh strong dissonant or uh contrast there just just uh pointing out the artist um yeah i really loved his stuff he felt like he was right between like john burns art like what i like about john burns art it's like really clean he does these like a good mix of close-up faces and these like longer shots like he knows how to keep the shots dynamic um and just like have a, a nice clean space and you always feel oriented in space but a little bit of like Keith Giffen from Justice League International, uh, not Keith, mm, Giffen, yeah, uh, Kevin Maguire, rather, right? Not Giffen. Um, Keith Giffen uh, co-writing there, but not, not yeah, the exactly, primary artist. Yeah. But yeah, but Kevin Maguire uh, on like Justice League with like detailed faces, like just zooming in on faces, and Peter David allowing him, like trusting him to be able to draw a face to sell the punchline, right? Like the punchline would just be an expression, or you know, the the emotional beat would just be someone's expression, like selling a lot of that. I think so the like DeMatteis, Giffen, um, McGuire Justice League is a good comparison point for what Hulk has become at this point because it is yeah, a very, yeah. I mean, there's a little literal blahaha, you know, from Betty Banner at one point. Uh, it is very comedy centric. Um, it is not a big, serious beat em up Hulk story, you know? Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, even though obviously, again, like 420 is a very serious issue, which we'll talk about. But yeah, I mean it's it's playing for laughs. Um, it's it's lighthearted on its feet. I don't think it's like actively super funny. You know, we talk a lot about how hard uh, that is in I comics, do. but at the same I, time, yeah. there's a playfulness to it that I that I definitely respect and I enjoy. I actually enjoy hanging out with these characters, which is funny because it's your boy Rick Jones, yeah, very much at I the know. center of it. Here, yeah. getting married to Marlo, um, who's this uh, model who's been hanging out in the Hulk pages for a while, been on and off again with Rick. For some time and then we got betty banner uh and and bruce you know in his basically perpetual smart hulk form um mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a romantic comedy of sorts and uh yeah, and it, yeah. it actually generally works um mm-hmm. I, I think it's like especially when you factor in like so 417 is the bachelor party bachelorette party issue but it's like you know marvel universe style and that's a playful fun thing you can do with Captain America, you know, not wanting the thing to get too lewd. and Cap- you know. Captain America here showing up, like, perpetually. It, it's funny. It just keeps reminding me, like, oh, yeah, he has a secret identity, which is the... For Captain America to have a secret identity is the dumbest thing, which means he's, yeah. like, at the bachelor party, at the wedding, constantly walking around uh, in his full costume and mask or wearing like a full suit or tuxedo at the wedding but still wearing I would, his I would say the tux with the mask is the much stranger look you know mm-hmm. when it's like I'm a I'm a regular human being but for this Captain America mask uh, right, yeah the, that but at the bachelor party he's the only one like in superhero garb I mean Silver yeah. Surfer there's the things there so they, they're standing out but like everybody else is just hanging out <laughs> Captain America just refuses to take off the mask yeah so I do like funny. how you know Rick Jones is this character who is the sidekick of the Marvel universe and how that comes through in his bachelor party, you know, where the guest list would be 
everyone in the Marvel Universe. Like, he has been everyone's sidekick. So mm-hmm. he's got, you know, the Rolodex that, like, he kind of brings everyone together um, in some in some pretty entertaining ways. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's lighthearted. Uh, it's it's generally good stuff. I think um, I, I, you've you've long been a Rick Jones hater, right? You are, are pretty down on Rick as this sort of whiny, <laughs> feeble, pathetic little sidekick. Yeah, Phoebe. In Hulk, Phoebe, I, yeah. I've been saying for a while, like, hey, you should read more of what happens with him in Hulk because I actually think he becomes kind of a fun supporting player. What do you think? Has this has this converted you to a Rick Yeah, fan? because, I mean, you know, like, I, I, I raz, I raz good old Rick often on the show um well and when you, you say know, raz you you mean spank <laughs> you say raz, <laughs> spank, you, you heavily paddle death yeah. threats i mean i dox like harass them on twitter um, which doxing yeah. uh characters whose whose alias is their name is really hard to do and you pulled it <laughs> off you pulled it off it was offensive it's uh it, it's just i mean it's mostly what people do with him right it's like like i mean part of it i'm goofing around but also like part of it is i, I don't care about the teenage boy stand-in character right you know, like from the 60s, yeah. I don't need that that point of view. I don't think that's an interesting approach. I think it's kind of lazy. Um, and I then mean, I, I will get, I will defend Stan and Jack doing it with 60s cap because he was so. Hey, Bucky just died. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like that just happened for me. And uh, and then kind of bringing up those memories through a character that already existed, I do think made some sense. I think continuing that role for Rick, you know, with Captain Marvel in the 70s Starlin stuff, which we yeah, both really like. That's to where. Be clear. Be, that's where it becomes the like, oh, these are comics that the people who are writing them now grew up with, and then they have an affection for Rick Jones, so they're like constantly just uh, shoving Rick Jones in my face and being like, yeah, Rick Jones, I insist, he's cool, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I definitely insist, and Peter David doesn't really. That's actually what I'm like, you know, Rick Jones is kind of a normal guy here, and he like takes the wind out of his sails quite a few times here, and like that Absolutely, makes him more interesting, yeah. but not just in a like. Oh, I'm sad because I got dumped. I'm gonna go play guitar in an alley, right? Like he's the normal guy, and he's got his ups and downs. And yeah, Peter David finds a good. And we're we're able to laugh at him, laugh with him. I think mm-hmm. in ways that yeah, definitely helps. Exactly. Uh, I I think that is true of most of the primary characters in this run. You know, again mm-hmm. because of the way David writes, it's like everything is lighthearted and punny, and you know we're laughing along with them, even as he's trying to do. Some, you know, so like the the focus of Hulk here, because this is, you know, I guess technically this is a Hulk comic. Um, it's it's very Rick and Marlo centric, but like the Hulk thread is he's coming out of Future Imperfect, mm-hmm. which uh, you know, which is the big learning about the Maestro and the future he's destined for to take over the world and blah blah blah, and he's kind of trying to reconcile that psychologically and having a hard time with, you know, is he going to lose his intelligence again and become this rageful beast, you know, become his father, I think is specifically kind of the fear here, his angry, rageful dad. And uh, that's kind of where Bruce's head is at, although that's not explored too heavily um, as these issues progress. But, you know, like he's still doing Hulk psychology stuff. He's very interested in that. Uh, But otherwise, it's like, you know, it's a big Marvel Universe celebration. And you get to kind of hang out and have fun with these characters at a bachelor and bachelorette party in, you know, Ways you don't normally see them, I suppose. I, I think the the thing that Peter David is really good at here, and, and it's something that we've seen like Jim Starlin not particularly be good at, is that when he weaves in outside characters, like he knows how to just make them like snap and pop and like be recognizable versions with his little own his twist on them. Um, where like Starlin brings them in and they become like somewhat the most generic version, and there's not you're not like oh that's a fun little you know Captain America moment, that's a fun Wolverine moment, like they just become like marvel handbook versions of themselves yeah whereas he brings here and he gets captain america so he knows how to like poke fun at his you know stateliness and how uh how serious he would be he knows how to bring in silver surfer and like silver surfer's little jokes about like some drunk guy at the party (laughs) keeps wanting to like ride his surfboard in the way like silver surfer's tone of voice or silver surfer splitting up the scrolls and the crees when they start causing trouble at the wedding Mm -hmm. and just being the guy who has to step in between is all really fun um yeah, there's a bunch of jokes. I mean, one of one of the jokes I really liked is all the boys go to a strip club. And, oh, well, no. <laughs> there's two jokes here. They get a stripper, which I think is just very funny that they get, like, a super villain themed stripper. And, you know, David plays it up as, like, the party's being, uh, you know, uh, intruded upon by some super villain woman. Uh, and then, but it's just a, a woman in a, 
you know, dominatrix outfit or something. Cur- courtesy um, of Nick Fury to uh, to Captain America's surprise. He did not mm-hmm. realize that would be happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Captain America treats it like you know, she's got us. You know, she's got us cornered. We we have to do what she says, boys. And then you know, she just gets Rick Jones <laughs> right. in a chair. And she's got a hair dryer. And she's like holding him hostage with the hair dryer and starts to strip. And then um, they all go to a strip club. Uh, or no, they're watching a stag film, something like that. There, there's a lot of stuff like this. But there's there's one point where like I think the Hulk and uh, someone, maybe Cap, are talking, and they're just like, oh, "What are the women gonna think? Like the bachelorette party? Like you know, the w- Betty would be so disappointed, and uh, you know, w- women just." viewed as sex objects and then it cuts to like the girls are all at a strip club themselves and betty is like losing her mind uh like catcalling the guy on stage which is a very funny like kind of skewering of uh i don't know kind of an outdated view of uh of like sexuality and sex work and stuff so uh, yeah i, I, I yeah, like it's, I it's, all it's definitely attempting that i think I, um, it worked really well i, for I me. do it have to like criticize for you uh but oh no i, I think I, I think this issue is generally fun i don't i i think yeah. it's very predictable but i also i mean i've read it and it just it feels tired but maybe for 1994 marvel it is less so you know i think especially when yeah, you it re- compare it, it to what's what else is in the lineup here like there's not a lot of other books yeah that i don't really i don't know anything, anything else like this like light on its feet and like yeah yeah everything else is so like heavy in the 90s this feels so you know calm and it's very confident like the amount of text he uses is really slim like he really lets like like he knows how to let less dialogue speak for more for these characters. Um, well, and that's actually something I was thinking about a lot with, you know, so as we get to Forceworks, like mm-hmm, yeah. Forceworks definitely embodies a lot of what ni- what we think of when we think about 90s comics, right? And mm-hmm. just the, there's just such a, it's, you know, Jim Lee's 39th Apprentice and there's there's such a busyness and a a like hyper, not even detailed, but just, just busy, hyper busy page where there's so much text and there's so much, attempt at like raw cool action that it's almost in like it's unreadable in ways like it's just Mm kind of hard to tell what is actually happening here Mm -hmm. and the coming to you know gary frank here and 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 peter david like just knowing what a comic should look like because they're super experienced and and like knowing hey if we go from this to this like the pacing of this and they'll follow the letters here and just that simple stuff that you take for granted you know mm-hmm. is so refreshing because it is it it feels more like comics have become you know post 90s where they're just you know like they're easier to follow and it's less of a emphasis on making a poster and cramming it with mm-hmm. tons of text and and more on just like you know telling a, a narrative story you know and, and someone art. desperately trying to be cool right like he's not trying to be cool here like you don't you don't feel that like just absolute desperation to impress Peter David is literally like, never cool mm-hmm. um, and I well, think you know, he's, no, I, he's I think very like, aware of that he, he yeah 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 I mean I think he can actually he can have some moments that work he's, in that kind of work as cool superhero moments but like they don't have that air of like desperation to me. You know, no, so I mean, I think he's comics. he's often like dad jokes personified, you know, mm-hmm. in, in terms totally. like if you described his writing, it would be like dad jokes come to life. Um, that doesn't. I And again, like that sounds like it's always a criticism. It's not. There are plenty of Peter David comics that I have recommended from, you know, that that early David McFarlane Hulk stuff is really, really great. Um, I, I, I like Future Imperfect sounds like probably more than you do. Yeah, that, um, that didn't land as well for me. But like his X-Force, I'm like. Later, like his early X Force stuff in the two thousands, yeah, his wait. his oh, no, X Force well, stuff with Larry Stroman that we've read in the nineties. Yeah, there, yeah. There's Peter David stuff that I I definitely like, um, yeah. but I think that's often his his kind of persona in mm-hmm. comics. Uh, and and you know my, your mileage may vary, right? And I, I think it wears thin the more you t- like if you take on seven years of it. I feel like that's mm-hmm. a lot of that. <laughs> but if you bounce around like this, I actually think it's the right way to approach his work. Um, but yeah, I mean, long story short, like it's a it's a fun run, and these are fun issues. Um, and, uh, and there's generally good stuff here that like, again, it's just going to give you a feel for like, like, for example, like Sue Storm is, um, wearing her Fantastic Four, uh, for boob window mm-hmm. at, in this era. And Which like could, at one point in these comics. Have you noticed that like boob window discourse has been like happening on Twitter? If I, well, as of like today, the last Be- like 12 hours on, uh, I was going to tweet Twitter. about it last night. Was me thinking about it? Did that put it into the universe? <laughs> no, I jumped <laughs> why, in on it. Why is it that like, happening? Uh, 
Connor from Cerebrocast uh, and uh, Sarah Century were all tweeted. Like everyone was talking about boob windows on Twitter. Last boob windows, t- boob windows in the in the conversation today. They're wow. In the okay. Right now. Yeah. I didn't realize that, but it, it's a very funny costume because it definitely mm-hmm. is also that thing that embodies the '90s of like, all right, we better sex up, you know, Sue Storm and have her on the cover of Fantastic Four issue holding a big gun and that sort of thing. Um, but so, but anyway, like Sue Storm, what you want to wear? Great. Um, you know, she's a babe. She's wearing the four boob windows. She's sitting here in front of Johnny Storm and Captain America. Like, like mm-hmm. she is looking fit to kill in front of like her dad and and her brother, basically. <laughs> but then seven pages later. In this issue, she's at the bachelorette party, and she's the one who's like, hmm, I hope this isn't too lewd. And she's wearing, like, a full suit. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, why are you wearing that costume? I but mean, then to, simultaneously to f- playing the, you know, playing the person who's not into any of this? See, I mean, to, to be fair, like, Sue being the one not into that me- reads more as Sue to me than, like... Because the costume doesn't make sense on a character level, right? I'm not, like, upset with it because I'm like, well, you know, like, like for some kind of... Uh, you know, it's too lewd or anything. It, like, mostly annoys me. I mean, it annoys me because the way that uh, they write it, which is that, like, Reed's slut-shaming her while they're also, you know, writing the character to be drawn like this. But, like, it doesn't make sense for Sue, you know? Like, Sue Well, that, that's the thing, though, is, like, like that, if but... she's going to be wearing that, like, I would, I would prefer her characterization to be embracing that and to be into it. Because the, the way it reads here is like so, it's like somebody made her wear that. It's like like literally like she's being forced to do it, which is like you know it, gross it, that that someone is making her do that against her will, which is how she reads. Which is the Sue we know, who is you know the mom and would be less mm-hmm. maybe comfortable in those situations. Anyway, it gives you a feel for 1994 comics and what is going on. Um, I think uh, this comic and this run are very horny for Marlowe. Chandler, <laughs> Rick Jones' sure. fiance, and um, and uh, wife to be, which like fair, you know, I, she's also a very fun character, which I think helps that, you know, she is not just an object. I I don't believe in my reads of no, these I issues. Don't, I don't, you know, she is so. a very fun it, yeah. person to hang out with. She like she's more like she makes Rick Jones more palatable because she's so funny and because she's willing to laugh at him as well, you know. And I think well, I that's mean, kind of what we're describing up front that like, helps. They 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 watch you know like a, a tasteful porno uh, at the the um, bachelor party and at the end of the issue it's like the big reveal is like oh no it's Marlo in the video right and Rick Bar- Rick Jones is very embarrassed which like mm-hmm. yeah you know even if you're very sex positive and sex work positive you could still be like that's surprised. a twist that's a twist <laughs> at your bachelor party sure yeah right exactly um and but then the next issue is rick like berating her for it you know about it being embarrassing and like the comic clearly tones it as like rick's being kind of a jerk and he's being like stuck up about it right like yeah i mean that's definitely how i read it yeah which i think is you know i don't know that seems pretty progressive to me right like to be like yeah marlo just did a thing when she was like 18 and uh who cares don't make a big so, deal out of it like she was yeah in a, she's in a so movie it, porn. it sounds like you're you're definitely aligned with giving david some credit here for being the, you know the the quote unquote for Marvel nineteen ninety four progressive because I think yeah, that heavily applies to issue yeah. four twenty as well which yeah. is I mean let's face it it is a big after school special well that can, before issue. we get to that there's there's one other Peter David thing I wanted to bring okay, up okay sure uh, which, which I think as an encapsulation encapsulation of the nineties I think it's very interesting seeing um, something that I don't know how much we've seen elsewhere except maybe the Simonsons a little bit which is like referencing comics in general. Right, like, he clearly is a big fan of DC stuff at the same time, and he weaves it in, sometimes just winking references, right? Like, he mentions other weddings, uh, whose weddings? He mentions, like, Cyclops and Jean Grey's wedding. He mentions offhand. Wonder Girl. And then he mentions Wonder Girl, right. Yeah. Exactly, like, he just kind of casually mentions a bunch of DC stuff. Like, he makes a joke about Superman here, there's a Superman, uh, joke here. Yep. Um, did which did is, you know, catch the bigger reference at the end of issue four? Well, yeah, exactly. And it, <laughs> besides, did you notice? Like, you know, little winks. It is then death from the Sandman. Neil Gaiman Sandman shows up like explicitly for many many panels and has a conversation with for Paolo. a whole page just without <laughs> right, her yeah. just without her face shown. We yeah, don't see her face, but it's Sandman cl- death clearly cameo. death from Sandman, uh, which, yeah. which is like maybe overdoing it. But I do like the joke of like I have to get out of here before that creep Thanos shows up. <laughs> That's a really good joke. Like, That's solid. I really, That's solid. I, I yeah, like I enjoy it. Lot, I, yeah. As as a big old comics nerd, like that yep. is that's yeah, a meta yeah. commentary. I definitely am here for. Uh, you know, I will say too, like as an as a wedding issue, 
uh-huh. 418's really fun because it Super absolutely fun. takes all the tropes that we know from having mm-hmm. read all these wedding issues and it just you know it turns them on their head and it just has fun the super villains keep showing up and then they're like oh no we have invitations like we're just here to celebrate the couple mm-hmm. you know and, and they never actually have to fight there's yeah. a big yeah. uh the, the kind of the premise of the wedding issue is like marlo in a dream meets mephisto and mm-hmm. he's like hey i'll get rick to forgive you for that stag film you did when you were 18 um if you give me your soul and like she does it in a dream kind of not knowing what's going on but then even that is not taken seriously like hardly at all <laughs> because then mephisto shows up to the wedding to collect and hulk literally just beats him up and mephisto's like oh why you can't well do hulk this. beats him up it's like he can beat him up because uh you know in a church you know god's power is there or something it's it that's a little tacky uh but it, it's fine. you know what though you know what i said peter Davis never cool I kind of like that. I kind of, I kind of really like Bruce Hulk being like, "I am a god." Like, just yay. Well, I mean, his, I am his thing of like, yeah, I'll, I'll trade you my soul for Marlowe's because I'll be running the place in ten years. Is like, oh, that's actually kind of interesting and like maybe a little foreshadowing. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. Yeah, it is actually, that, although not not how you'd expect. But yes, yeah, it is. Now that I think about it. Oh, and um, uh, and Peter David clearly uh, drawing himself in as the guy officiating the wedding. Uh, or not himself Sh- drawing, but shocked, literally shocked. They did not opt for the um, Princess Bride marriage with Peter mm-hmm. David. I thought he yeah. would have just a hundred percent gone for that, but he did not. Stole that wholesale, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, uh, really big of him not to do that. So, all right, so that's yeah. I mean, it's good. Four nineteen is um, it's kind of a quirky Talos the Untamed <laughs> scroll story. It's the scroll who uh, is you know kind of um, what's the word? Like he is. He can't reclaim his standing in the Skrull Armada because he didn't, you know, uh, ritual kill himself in battle or whatever. Um, So he's trying to get the Hulk to kill him, and a whole whole battle plays out. It's it's well done. Yeah, and the Hulk the Hulk actually it's kind of showing some character progression for the Hulk where he realizes you know this other guy wants him to kill him, and at the end he basically plays possum and is like please don't hurt me anymore and he starts you know fake crying and stuff and, and we see that progression a bunch like, from the hulk here because we see that yeah. in the iron man run as well where the, where the hulk is not the destructive force it's yeah iron we'll, we'll get, we can get into that there's some there's some good stuff with that but yeah. um I, the, I mean the thing i liked from this was uh <laughs> rick jones approaching betty and being like when marlo was in that coma and we kissed i just need you to know like it, nothing can happen and i know you still have feelings for me and it's just, and then betty just like absolutely losing it and cracking up and just laughing in his face of like what what are you talking about we kissed one time i'm not in love with you yeah. you lunatic and then like her mentioning it to marlo and then Mar- like in the two women just cracking up at rick for being so you know like full of himself to think like every woman must be like fawning over him uh, it's good it's it's funny and it's not like it's totally deflating of Rick, you know, like it, it actually still works. Like Rick is still kind of likable here, which for me saying that is something. Yeah, but absolutely. Like, yeah, it's fun for, uh, you know, it's fun to have your characters have, you know, the piss taken out of them a little bit. So it's good. So speaking of not fun, let's talk, yeah, uh, yeah, let's talk yeah, the, yeah. the AIDS issue. Um, so issue 420, uh, which now is like, it's like why this isn't a, a 420 joke is beyond me but <laughs> it is absolutely not uh it it opens with you know there's a riot on campus and uh it's you know parents and students protesting there's a there's a young boy who has hiv and there's protests about you know whether or not they they can be allowed to go to the school anymore because you know they're, they're worried about it being contagious right and all the sort of riff from the headlines early 90s stuff around you know can you be around individual with HIV are they contagious airborne and kind of misinformation and misunderstanding about how HIV and AIDS actually work right and you saw this you know I the example I always remember is in the NBA on the dream team like Carl Malone didn't want Magic Johnson to be on the team because they were you know he's worried like you know about contracting HIV from him from playing basketball with him and stuff like that Hmm. like that's that's very very real and was very there um although I I remember a captain a captain planet episode and they always did the like the very real thing after the episodes they would do the like you know, and then here's an actual issue and talking about it with real kids. Uh, and then they oh, had yeah. a kid, uh, an HIV positive kid, uh, you know, being bullied out of school and the episode being like, no, it's fine. You know, like you're not going to catch it just hanging out. Yeah. Uh, I remember as a kid in the 90s, I was terrified of the idea of giving blood because I re- there was something about a young person gave blood and they got HIV from the needle <laughs> or something like that. I mean, that, that you know, that sat with me. All that stuff is so nasty and wild, and you know it, it's hard to 
over or hard to understate how uh you know insane that time was and how like hysterical people were about you know and how cruel people were about this uh this epidemic well and we've uh, talked about it before i think a little bit with north star and just kind of homosexuality in this era but you know it's not like hiv aids is a new thing in the world obviously like it's mm-hmm. a pandemic in america yeah. for a decade plus before this um it's just in the early 90s it hits mainstream media and people start realizing you know what kind of a disaster this is um but yeah so like peter david and the hulk team they take this on we have gary frank returning it's got inks by cam smith clonus oliver um so again like it's a really well constructed good looking comic for this time period uh the narrative kind of splits between two threads here um mm-hmm. more well really three uh one is we have jim wilson who is uh i think he's the nephew of sam wilson the falcon uh, I could be wrong on that. He has, I didn't, I didn't know him. Yeah. he, he sidekicks or kind of works with the Hulk Um, since like, like not frequently, not like a Rick Jones, but like he has done it before. And, uh, and he here is, is discovered to have contracted HIV. He's one of the ones in the riot or in the riot, in the uh, protest who, uh, you know, he's there and he gets bludgeoned in the head and Hulk comes and rescues him. And then he takes him back to his Pantheon base. Uh, the Pantheon is just this like, Illuminati type organization that the Hulk is working with. They have all sorts of scientific know-how. Um, but it, it actually, the fact that he's with the Pantheon group in this and then brings, you know, Jim Wilson, this individual who has HIV, or I guess in this instance, he actually, you know, he has, he has AIDS. AIDS yeah. um, they, uh, having him in like a super advanced Marvel Universe medical facility with the Hulk, who, you know, they call out here like, hey, you gave a blood transfusion to your cousin before. Like, could you give me Hulk powers and save my life? Like, there's a lot of Marvel Universe specific stuff that challenges like why like how are you going to deal with real world disease in a world where you have all of this special fantastical stuff available to you i don't know that it answers all those questions sufficiently um but it's attempting to engage with them in ways that it because like you know jim starlin's thing in the death of captain marvel is just like yeah cancer exists here cancer cancer and cancer kills and and reed richards can't stop it and uh and captain marvel can't stop it and it kills right and i actually think that is if you want to play it for real world parallels mm-hmm. is kind of the way to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and right. I kind of think that's what that's what they're trying to do here with Hulk and, and with AIDS. Um, because if you have a situation where you're like, oh yeah, like gamma, gamma infusions do cure AIDS, like that's a weird message to send mm-hmm. um, if you're yeah. having these conversations. So, any, but anyway, they kind of try to talk about it and it's, it's challenged, but that's thread number one. Thread number two is uh, within the Pantheon, there's two characters, uh, Ulysses and Hector. Um, Hector, I think it is, is a gay man, and uh, Ulysses is a big homophobe. I may have that backwards on the names, but I think that's right. Um, and basically, there's just small com- like conversations, hostile conversations. And they've been the happening through the wedding episodes as well. Yeah. Yes, and that's that's building, and that continues to build here. Uh, so we'll, we can talk about that a little bit. And then the final thread here is Betty Banner uh, basically picks up a hotline you know, like a, a crisis hotline call from a man with AIDS who is thinking about killing himself. And mm-hmm. she's having a long conversation with him about trying to talk him out of it. So those are the three very heavy threads that are spinning throughout this. I think purely on pacing and plotting terms, um, that's a lot. And it weaves together uh, successfully as as one issue of comic. I think it does that part well. Zach, you know, we were talking about, okay, relative progression uh, from Peter David in terms of like, you know, talking about women's sexuality and things like that. What do you think here about the way it tackles, obviously, a very serious topic? Well, okay, so my my understanding, like, I've been praising Peter David, you know, for the way he's been talking about, you know, sexuality, uh, like, feminist stuff, I think is pretty progressive, especially for the time. Um, The way he, he has the gay character is like, yeah, he's not up front, but, like, it's clearly, like, just having a gay character who's here and being, like, Having a couple, you know, at least kind of affirming moments. Um, I mean, it's still that's, having that. That's problem. really big for Marvel. I, let's let's right. I mean, that, that's like in nineteen ninety four, they don't have gay characters on the page casually. Um, you know, they have North Star talking just about came being out. gay and like a character being like, "Yeah, do what you want. I don't care. You know, it's your choice." And him being like, "It's not my choice. I am who I am." Right? Like that. I think that's powerful. Right? Especially mm-hmm. if like, that's like, a good step in the right direction. Right? Like, and it's nice eventually to try to you know start having gay characters who are not just defined by uh homophobia right but like that is also part of uh being gay so like showing that i i think like 
the way that he is showing it, uh, it, it, everything seems fine to me. And I'm like, I'm pretty on board. Now it's going, you know, although like actually having a gay hero, right, would be nice. Um, besides North Star, who, you know, at this point is, is very uh, pushed off to the side. But, um, and, and I know the, the other thing is like, like Tiffany and I were, uh, were praising him a lot. And then I was like finding out like, oh no, people like are super critical of Peter David for the way he like talks about, I guess, I don't know if it's women or gay uh lgbt stuff later like in the 2000s maybe like there's some big issues so like i i don't know there's some legacy stuff here so far i've been very positive i think there's two sorry go ahead and finish up no no please because you actually have the context probably that i i'm missing yeah so i mean Uh, like definitely modern peter david you know i think lgbtqi plus advocates are definitely down on him (laughs) right and critical of him as a a creator and as a person yeah and, and he's made some offensive remarks i think towards yeah um certain groups of people uh i I think specifically like like romani people um he's made some some really just dumb con blunders uh yeah yeah and he's kind of unrepentant about it i don't know if it's specific to you know queer queer communities um but definitely like i think the fact that that, like he won like he won a glad award i think for some work in x factor like that is that is often derided by uh individuals today because um because they don't see Peter David as like an authentically good ally, I guess. Mm. Um, but I think, or not but, but what we read in 1994, if you take the, well, what what is he actually as a person and what are his actual beliefs and how does he behave? And you just look at like, well, what's on the page mm-hmm. and how does yeah. it compare to what's happening in the world of Marvel yeah. Comics? It's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's pretty definitely, it's definitely doing more. It's definitely at least engaging in the real world and the conversations in a way that, again, Marvel was scared to death slash editorially mandated to avoid yeah. for for decades and and you know in very recent memory you know and obviously we just talked about the outflight issue where the North Star is actually able to come out as an actual gay superhero which then is roundly ignored by Marvel for a long long period of time um, yeah. so it, the fact that it's even happening you know is is big I mean Peter David you know he goes to lengths here too to be like yeah AIDS isn't just a gay disease right anyone can get it you know so like certain elements and of misinformation some of that are like, important. Dispelling some of the specific nastier talking points of like, well, you know, it spreads in gay men because they're so, you know, they're they're so sexually prolific, right? Like they have mm-hmm. bathhouses and hookups in the park and right, it's only because they're so, you know, immorally, you know, uh, constantly sexual, whatever. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he goes to, to lengths to like talk about those. Okay, so all that, all that to be said, like I've really enjoyed his work on a bunch of levels and part of that is like, you know, social issues, I think, for me, it, they've been really landing, right? Like, it works really well. And I I very rarely say this, as people who listen to the show says, but, like, I don't particularly feel equipped to say how much this works or not. Like, to me, it works okay. It doesn't seem perfect, but I can't quite articulate why. And I think, like, there is some context of the time that I don't have to weigh too heavily on this. I think what you were saying about, like, introducing like hulk blood into the equation i think that's a mistake i think that doesn't add anything to this conversation right like if you're going to talk about this being like yeah but what if you could cure it with hulk blood and then hulk being like no i can't he just has to die of aids like okay i don't i don't really know what that is that might be kind of insensitive i i don't know right like and and i kind of hate taking that tact because i i I like to be able to take a stance on things but for me like this, this is just it's it's a messy complicated issue that i don't have as perfect context for because i i only you know i kind of know what was going on at the time but like yeah um, right no i i I, i'm in a similar boat definitely you know so i hear where you're coming from i mean i think for me the thing is like if you're looking at it for like yeah like the perfect resolution on the subject matter like that (laughs) no that doesn't happen uh and i don't know where that has happened you know so like i think instead you know what is it trying to do it is, and how successful is it at that? And it is trying to raise awareness, I would say, about these issues, and and talk about them with some empathy, and and dispel some misinformation that heavily mm-hmm. existed at the time. And I think in that regard, it's it's good. I think probably the thread that probably makes me the m- most uncomfortable, the one I know 
the least what to do with is Betty talking to yeah. the stranger on the hotline. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, agree. you know, I guess, you know, spoiler alert, obviously, like we're talking about these things in detail. Betty has this long conversation with this man. Um, he's he's embarrassed. He's he's distraught. He's depressed because, I mean, he has AIDS, of course. And, um, and uh, it, like, by the end of it, though, he resolves to kill himself. Like, that is how the comic ends. And that makes me uncomfortable. Um, I, I, mean, I think that sends a bad message. So yeah, there, there, there's a, you know, there's a th- turning this into a, a thrill ride or a dramatizing it to this level, I feel, feels slightly, uh, like, icky to me, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. you know, what's he going to do? Who is this guy? Is there something, like, we never see his full face. Is there something going on, right? Like, he, he plays it kind of like a, a dramatic film, right? There's, there's a drama to what's well, it, going on. It also plays like, like by the end of this, oh, this might be the uh, next supervillain who is uh, mm-hmm. who's yeah, tricking well, why... Betty, and the reveal's uh-huh. going to be it's Mephisto again or whatever. Yeah, totally. uh, and it's not that at all. Uh, and I don't, I'm not saying it should be, <laughs> but that's how, no, that's no, how the no, comic... No, definitely not. That would have been worse, yes. <laughs> yeah, like okay. that is how the comic builds. Um, so that part of it, I think, feels messier than anything else in here to me uh there's but al- yeah i mean also something it should, to, but like, like it should be messy you know like this this conversation like i i'm generally okay with m- messy attempts with empathy you know like like if you have the empathy to understand an issue and to put it out there and to take risks um they're, they're often going to be messy conversations like we're having right now as yeah. I stumble through this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, are, there are times when that's the wrong answer and it's the wrong person trying to have that messy conversation. I think that's a fair criticism. You know what I mean? Like there's not, Marvel's not hiring queer creators to have these conversations in 1994. Mm-hmm. That's a problem that I think is is very genuine. And, well, and they, they they, there is the for. question of like, I, I was thinking this, reading this, like do, do they need to weigh into this? Does Marvel feel like they need to like speak to the AIDS crisis? There, there is something to like, are you equipped to even like do this? And it's like, yeah, I mean, Marvel has always tried to weigh in on real world, real world stuff, right? World outside your window. But like part of it, there, there seems like a hubris to be like, yeah, like. See, but I, I don't think so because they're late and they've intentionally avoided it for a long time. So yeah. I don't think they're stepping in here at the cutting edge to be like, yeah. we have something yeah, yeah. to say. They're coming yeah. in late when it's okay to talk about it, right? And we see this in Marvel all the time now, right? Yeah, this is post- post it being okay to talk about clearly it's in the news everyone's talking about it now we can have an issue about it they're mm-hmm. not ahead of yeah. the curve on this in any way point. shape or form uh so i i i would rather have them acknowledge if it's if marvel's going to be the world outside our window acknowledge the world outside our window yeah well i guess um, i guess maybe the the bigger issue because the betty part where she's just on a, a hotline talking to somebody who's suicidal about this where i'm just kind of like i don't get why this story is being told right like why are you just doing this very like two humans talk like a human talking to another human about you know this could have been a story in love and rockets or something right? yeah like it, sure it, it's right not, it's not a superhero story so like just just doing this thing and then and then the way that it falls short because it is so dramatized and it is like it's weirdly just super real world super grounded but then falls short because of the trappings of a superhero comic it's just like well like you know, I, I don't know. There, there are times where I'm just like, maybe superhero comics should just stay out because you just get these infantile <laughs> conversations about things. Like, yeah. it frustrates me. And I, I don't feel that all the time. You know, like, clearly we, we've praised stuff that I think walks that line and, you know, can be a superhero comic while also... I don't know. Like, there, there's just... There's something to, uh, you know, I, I guess... I, I mean, maybe it is you find somebody with something to say about this and you don't put somebody who doesn't really have any insight... Uh, behind it right and, and that's not that's not really to damn peter david here I, th- I think his heart's in the right place um i don't think this is a total failure but like i i think like it doesn't it doesn't quite work and it doesn't you know certainly as someone you know who is not suffering uh from the effects of hiv and aids in the 90s right who doesn't have that point of view this didn't like speak to me about anything except like yeah that sounds miserable right like that sounds like a miserable uh thing to go through so like you know, I'm probably the intended audience here, and it it very much is like, well, I didn't, I didn't learn anything. You know, I you know, the, I could see being a kid in the '90s and learning like, oh, you know, saying something to a gay man about how his promiscuity, you know, leads to HIV. You know, that's clearly like a villainous thing. Okay, sure, right? That that's pretty clear cut. That message is sold. But then the like the the rest of this issue, I, I'm really not. It's just kind of vague, and it's just kind of um, it, it feels a little unfocused. So. 
yeah 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 that, that's about the, the clearest i can say about it you know yeah i mean Which i, I kind of hate think there's some like simple misinformation out. stuff yeah. that it that it communicates uh clearly and and probably is needed um for certain like you said like for certain audiences again it's one of those things where it's it's about a group of people, but it's not for that group of people. And there's always, yeah. I think, some yeah. challenges and problems with that. I, you know, I, just to clarify too, I'm, I'm looking it up now. So Jim Wilson, the uh, the young man who has AIDS here, he, we learn actually earlier in this Hulk run that he has HIV. So that's like not out of the blue. Like that is a part mm-hmm. of this Hulk run. So that is there yeah. previously in Hulk comics. Um, but okay, I mean, yeah, I think it's well worth a read. I wouldn't, you know, I, I think you know, read it, form your own opinions. Um, but it's definitely like, you know, it's it's well-constructed and i i think as to the effectiveness of it that's going to be you're you're gonna have to determine that for yourself um because it's you know it's going to hit different ways for different people so all right let's talk uh iron man uh 302 to 305 uh totally changing gears uh zach you know what i like (laughs) you know what i like about the len kaminsky iron man run which i've talked about before is not being like a secret best of all time my favorite run but just being like Mm -hmm. this kind of hidden gem in terms of just being a really solid iron man run here in the middle of the 90s it's just yeah, it's, like it's okay it's just it's okay. good action comics like okay, it is like just good stuff. dumb yeah. action yeah. comics and it is sure. it's got all it's got one-liners to spare and it's got iron man fighting venom then fighting the hulk uh fight it you know talking a bunch with captain america it's just it's doing all the marvel universe stuff and it is a general thrill ride and i i like Kevin Hopgood's art here, I think Kaminsky and Hopgood together, they're kind of doing that David Gary Frank thing of not feeling like the heaviest, densest 90s comics, mm-hmm. and that's appreciated. Uh, these these read pretty smoothly. Uh, they're pretty enjoyable. They're not going to change your world, but uh, but they're fun. I, I have a good time with these. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I <laughs> Like, there's not a ton to say about it. I, I mean, my, my only real, like, critique of the thing is uh there seems to be like a weird i mean the the politics of it are messy right like there's all this stuff about stark enterprises being um you know like captain america talking about him like you used to be the the example of like the corporation <laughs> the good trusted, corporation yeah, right? yeah the good corporation that people held up and now you know that image has been taken you need to prove to them again that like cor- and then you know immediately like stark industries has like soldiers like firing machine guns in the air at protesters <laughs> right and, but then <laughs> no, iron man comes in as like he's the good boss who's like you're fired you lost your job for shooting a machine gun at, at a bunch of protesters <laughs> <right>? <laughs> and like yeah. if only if only young so th- there's my point is there seems to be like a real um like reactionary streak to this whole comic uh it's not the most egregious, but it does like kind of stick under my like craw a little bit. Um, just like constantly, like this comic many times mentions like the new generation. They're just more violent. They just want to use their fists to solve problems, and like really, like you should use the corporations' own you know ways and means in bureaucracy. Like corporations have their own boards to punish bad behavior. Why don't you mm-hmm. just appeal to the board, <laughs> right? Like instead of being a bunch of because it uses like the new warriors as kind of like. A bunch of unruly teens who want to, you know, blow up a dam instead of uh, filing a complaint with the EPA or something, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, there's a lot of Stark righteously being righteously indignant about uh, violence, but then at the end, like he is the one who's losing it uh, against the Hulk, which does lead to a good moment. I like Hulk shows up and is like, "You've been producing gamma bombs with your uh, your this factory. I'm here to dismantle it." They start fighting because Iron Man shows up in his Hulkbuster armor, which have we ever seen this before? I, I, don't I think this is the debut. I actually yeah. think it's the debut of Hulkbuster armor, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, and they have a fight, and, uh, and Iron Man's, like, yelling at him about, like, you know, you, if you only had shown up and, you know, we could have just talked about this and, you know, done this rationally, right? Like, had this conversation. We, we Maybe we could just tear it down calmly. And Hulk's like, okay. And he's like, yeah, but you never... Wait, what? And then Hulk's like, yeah, okay, we can just, we can talk about it. That's fine. And like Hulk backs down. It's like, you're the one who started to fight. Like I just showed up to talk and you started punching. Um, so like, I, I like that moment that uh, that's kind of a fun moment where like the, the Hulk fight gets subverted by Hulk being like, yeah, please, let's just, uh, let's have a conversation about this. Definitely. Um, definitely. I think, and you know, on the, on, in terms of the political conversation here, I think, you know, you're right. I think unlike Hulk 420, which is very deliberately, welcoming you in to have that conversation very earnestly iron man is so goofy action that i don't mm-hmm. yeah. embrace the topics as nearly yeah, you, as seriously you can, you can skim right over it but like 
it just it kept being a recurring voice oh yeah no it, it where... happens yeah you're right like it's there and i think there's there's an attempt and it's messy i i do actually like because we see this a bunch throughout the 90s with captain america specifically um mm-hmm. just <laughs> actually like non-groom i guess groomall does it a bit um but we see it outside of groomall stuff a bunch where it's like cap just really struggling with it being a voice for the old guard comics creators who are like, ah, all the kids only want Wolverine, Punisher, and X-Force, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I actually do like Captain America playing that voice in this era. You know, one thing it made me realize that I actually really like, that I kind of feel like we we lose a lot of, frankly, and as comics progress and there's kind of a, a sliding timescale reversion, is I like this idea of Captain America and Iron Man and these old guard Avengers having been through so much and just feeling old. Like, this sells them Mm -hmm. as old and having been around in a way, you know, kind of like Mark Waid, Alex Ross, Kingdom Come, right? Where it's like you have this old guard generation of heroes who are kind of on the outs now. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually like the build of that, of the OG Avengers specifically, feeling like those kind of characters. It works for them. Um, and kind of not knowing what to do, not knowing how to play with these times. I think that actually, those are actually like fairly interesting conversations. But yeah, I mean, it, but it, but the, the, the thing I I would be into it if those conversations were being like, yeah, they can't change, and the world has changed around them, and they're still stuck. And you know, them being more and more rooted in the '60s means that they're becoming more and more the villains of the story. Uh, yeah, and it's it's like, too yeah, it's they, definitely too scared to do that. It's right? the opposite of that. It's the kids are the kids are the ones who are frightening, <laughs> and like the kids with all their demands today are freaking me well, out. And they're but just, from their perspective, like that's a very a very timely evergreen kind of conversation, yeah, of right? Yeah, yeah. You know the yeah. rebellious young teens who want to do these other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the the focus of this is Iron Man gets to fight Venom and the New Warriors and and Hulk. Uh, in that regard, it's it's quite fun. Like I said, like. Kaminsky, I don't know that he's good at one-liners, but he loves them. And you get uh-huh, lots yeah. of good, corny action one-liners. You know, Thor or Thunderstrike showing up and get hitting us with a hammer time. And can, can we talk about Thunderstrike for a second? Because his motivations here are the funniest thing, uh, which is like... Uh, I, I appreciate his motivations here, honestly. Hilarious. The new warriors are here to destroy this dam because it... Uh, it's, I can't remember. It's something that's like analogous to nuclear power. It's it's gonna remember. it's gonna cause problems with the environment. Is there a read yeah, on it? It's some, I think it's so. Because it, it sounds like it'd be the opposite. It sounds like they're trying to destroy a town, but actually they're trying to like save it. I guess. Right by destroying this dam, so they show up and they're you know like tearing apart this dam, and then Iron Man's fighting them on the dam, and then Thunderstrike shows up, thinking that Iron Man is the one destroying the dam and tries to fight him. But Thunderstrike's motivation for like I'm here to stop the destruction of this dam. The architect is a good friend of mine, which it's it's him. <laughs> He's yeah, the yeah. Architect. Eric Masterson not, is the architect of the dam. It's yes. not very to do proud with of the his environment. Work. There's no environmental reason. There's no like you're just you know destroy, destroying prop, public property, and I need to stop that. There's no like crime doesn't pay. It's literally just like. I appreciate the architecture. My friend's an architect. <laughs> he spent a lot of time on it. He don't want anything I know, destroyed. Exactly. That I think that's really funny. Uh, just like absolutely mindless, thoughtless. Like it doesn't matter what this thing is for. But like I drew up the the draft, the blueprints for this. So like I'm not gonna <laughs> let you destroy it. This um, was months very of good work. Use yeah. of a character that I I don't care about. But uh, that was very good. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, these are fun. I don't. Know, I have a good yeah. time with these. Yeah, it's Again, okay. it's like yeah. it's, and they it's go down a little quick. skimmable, but generally, yeah. but generally fun. And yeah, and they do go down quick. Speaking of not going down quick. Uh, yeah. Let's let's jump then to Iron Man's other comic, <laughs> which is the so West Coast Avengers disassembled. Uh, we don't read mm-hmm. a ton of West Coast Avengers in this era. Um, there, there are arguments to be made that we could, but they just disassembled. And in their aftermath, Iron Man's looking to put together a new '90s oriented team. Uh, it's going to be called Force Works, which I never read until now, Zach, as a like as a declaration, like <laughs> like if somebody like somebody asking the question, like, "Hey, uh, what works?" In, in deterring crime and someone was like force works right like i never <laughs> read the name that way before but now yeah, i can't stop yeah, seeing yeah. it that way um yeah. but that's their name and uh and it's iron man putting together a team with scarlet witch u.s agent spider woman and wonder man a lot of previous west coast avengers you have dan abnett and andy lanning coming off of that scarlet witch mini we read in 94 part one they're teaming here with penciler tom taney inks by ray garcia and uh, and then bringing Scarlet Witch back along with this team for uh, and basically West Coast Avengers versus an alien invasion. I mean, is more or less what this is. Sure. Can, and well, can uh, we talk about the the writers for a second? Yeah. So Dan, Dan has this really big career, right? Like he's 
doing stuff well into the 2000s. Abnett and right. Lanning are a are partnership well into the 2000s. I mean, okay, they're, the they're they're Guardians of the Galaxy run is the is the Guardians of the Galaxy run, and, and Marvel Cosmic is, you know, they're they're inextricably tied to 2000s Marvel Cosmic. Yes. Okay, so based on this and Scarlet Witch, I just got to say, would I'm, not not a fa- I'm not a fan. <laughs> you would not, not a that. big not a big fan. Do they evolve? Do they have runs that you like? Do they have comics that you enjoy later on? Yeah, that's what um, I'm just saying, man. The the Marvel Cosmic of the 2000s is great. Oh well, I, I didn't know if you were into that. Okay. Like you, you think that's good? That stands up. That that they progress. That is that is generally regarded by many as mm-hmm. the best Marvel cosmic has been since Jim Starlin. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Interesting because this this is like it's not only kind of dull. It's not only kind of like poorly put together, right? I I think it, it's somewhat generic and yeah. It, it feels like what you said, like what Jim Lee's. 35th apprentice or something right like mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. well actually I, i'll say the art is way more like jiley uh here sure um, it, it feels like somebody you know what i i think this art is not very good um i don't think i i think it's quite bad actually i think it's, i, will, yeah, I, I think it's actually say, bad, i think it is but, distracting and it is uh it, there are f- frequent moments where individuals noses and mouths are indiscernible <laughs> yes no no <laughs> where and, they begin and, and end teeth are kind of this weird uh, i think that's the inker really but their teeth become in the inside of their mouth become like a, a whale's like the, was it the baleen whale thing with the filter to filter out like krill yeah uh, yeah kind of, yeah that's it's, it's also a and comic it, that is it is horny for scarlet witch without ever being able to sell that <laughs> because yeah. it's so bad at rendering her <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's very strange but it, i'll say I, I think you're right i think it's bad um but it's it's got a style that I could see. I could see this being like, oh yeah, like McFarlane was like kind of a mess at first, and then like check in a year later, and this will be like an interesting, unique style. So <laughs> okay, because like, because there's something weird. Like the faces are very unlike stuff we've seen before. Like he draws. Uh-huh. Fa- Who's the artist? The penciler on this again? Do you have it? On Tom the Tom Tenney inks by Ray Garcia. I think Jai Lee's okay. a good comp. Actually, I hadn't thought yeah. of that. But that's good. Yeah. I mean, there's a weird thing where like everyone's skin and muscles are like wrinkly. Right, it kind of looks like, um, like, like if you've ever seen like someone who's like seventy, but still has a six pack, like a really ripped old man. And it's <laughs> I've like, never seen that. <laughs> never yeah, seen a muscular sure. no, no, old person. Like, yeah. yeah, in like they have a six pack, but at the same like uh, Iggy Pop, it kind of looks like Iggy Pop's abs actually, where he still has a six pack, but like it is, uh, you know, like the skin is just kind of wrinkly. And like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have that, but it's except everyone through. here is like twenty six. <laughs> exactly, and it's like the the funny thing is like Iron Man's. You can see like the rink, the the folds of his skin through his Iron Man armor. Like you see his six pack being drawn through his armor, and you can see like all this shading on it, which I think is kind of at least an interesting choice. So I, I don't. Want I to do like six pack armor. That generally makes me laugh. I, I think uh, it, I, I think it's I funny. And I, there. I could see. I, I don't know, but like I, I'm curious to like check in on what this guy's doing in a year or two to see if like his fundamentals have uh, have cleaned up a little bit because there, there's there's something kind of interesting here. But yeah, the, the okay, main okay. the main problem with this, I think it's. I mean, God, is this wordy? Is this uselessly wordy? Um, characterization is pretty null here. Uh, the threats are boring. The team, I don't care about. Uh, like okay, here here's here's a run from the page from the second issue. Um, they they have an alien here who's like telling them everything. Who's like scanning, uh, which which we need to come back to Century. I will do so in a minute. Okay, is that his name, Century? Yeah, Century, Century or Century? I don't remember. I would say Century, like like a like a hundred years, a century. Oh yeah, Century. You're right. Yep. He says this is one page, right? One page, one panel. Initial probe results as follows. Subject, Sentry is an extraterrestrial in origin. Clothing and physical makeup contain component elements that have no corresponding match in available data. Preliminary scans show physiology significantly different from any human or non-human form. Scans suggest, however, that it has been surgically altered. Further study will be needed to confirm this. Subject entered this facility through a teleportation gateway similar to the one used to abduct the force work team members. Further study will... And then Iron Man goes, enough! (laughs) Like, stops him. But, like... All the dialogue is like this, and it's, like, demanding to be skimmed. It is demanding that you don't read. Like, can you imagine reading all those words? Like, sitting there, like, (laughs) enjoying a comic and being like, yeah, I'm going to read all those paragraphs. Because there's nothing. You don't get anything from reading that. It's it's miserable. Like, the editor, I mean, 
I've never done this before. I went back and I was like, who is editing this? Like, who's at fault for this? Who, who read this and was like, I don't need to cut all this back. It's a uh, Nell Yamtov. Uh, yeah. Shots fired. Yeah, yeah it, Nell, is, uh, Nell, it is. It you. is the absolute definition of, of skimmable. Um, I, you know, I think for being like, ooh, a new 90s team, it's like, it's weird that they don't have more confidence in emulating the image comics revolution in terms of just like just do more posters for goodness sake like let let these people battle aliens and keep the damn words off the page because they're not adding anything uh, i do want to touch so again this is force works versus a scatter alien invasion the scatter are just these you know interdimensional hive mind alien creatures uh century shows up here now century is an individual that is not super relevant in the Marvel Comics landscape, but I thought was super relevant because as a kid watching the 90s Iron Man animated series, uh, mm -hmm. this Century character is one of the recurring uh, heroes who constantly is working with Iron Man. So I thought this character was like a big deal. And uh, it turns out that this is like like they only show up in Forceworks <laughs> for like twenty <laughs> yeah. issues, and it, you yeah, know it's yeah. this it's this alien guy with really long white hair, and he holds a big axe. And because he was in Iron Man the animated series, I've always been waiting for that character to like where where does this character happen in the comics? Where is this in Iron Man comics? Uh, nowhere except for Forceworks, and it's totally just like a I don't know like a Silver Surfer like kind of thing where it's you know this alien who kind of understands the enemy and we can can help us take them down um the, i, I, I wish i could looking at the iron man animated series and uh yeah it, it's saying here your century is part of the team here u.s agent isn't they cut u.s agent out that's rude out of iron man the animated series yeah did not make yeah. appearance that's you know iron man in the animated series is one of the reasons i really like hawkeye <laughs> because really? uh, because he's part of that team i can't totally explain that uh okay. but that's definitely some of my my fandom generates there yeah i mean force works is very skippable i mean i, w I wish i could say more about uh, you just things that i do in, like right? I just, but i do want to well it's a new team it's post west okay. coast avengers so it kind of catches up on that um and you know that i i had read it somewhat recently with the scatter alien invasion and i was like this is it gives us a window into what's happening with some of these characters in ways i think force works it also kind of has like for 90s nostalgia heads, you know, kind of has some appeal because it's a, it's a series that definitely represents the era a bit. You know, it's the thing that gets that 90s nostalgia relaunch here in the 2020s, you know, with like rebooted works, you know, minis and stuff like that. Um, I don't think it's merited because <laughs> it's really, <laughs> no, it it's gets, really it not an enjoyable read. It gets 22 issues and then never gets talked about again. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the thing, though. I think that's probably confusing if you're reading for the first time is, like, it's it's literally just West Coast Avengers 2.0. Yeah, um, that's the weird thing. It's, it's like, like West Coast Force. Avengers was disbanded by the Avengers. So let's take the same team members and just start a new... It's really just being like, we got a new vibe now, and it's uh, wrinkly. Which I do like that reaction to being like, <laughs> yeah. our team got shut down. Let's just reform it and call it something else. <laughs> it will be like a little meaner this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be a little, a little more bad a word about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you could, you could definitely, definitely skip this puppy. Um, all right, all right. That's gonna do it. It's gonna do it, yeah. Zach. That's all I got. Yeah, yeah. On ninety four part three. Uh, yeah. Coming up next, we got a Dean's list. Dean's, Dean's list back. in the house. Yep. Ninety-four part four. Going to be a Dean's list. We're going to talk. Okay, here. Let me let me give a little. Did you look through these? Did you have you you haven't read these yet? I mean, I haven't read the comics yet. No. So I, I put some Secret Defenders back in there, which you might be surprised to see given a, a reaction on Secret Defenders in nineteen ninety-three. But I uh -huh. think it, it's warranted. Captain Marvel number one. Have you read this one? Is this with uh, Monica? Yes, it is a Monica yeah. Rambeau comic, and there's only one of them. It's is it Dwayne McDuffie? I think so, actually, yes. A different one. Okay. Uh, it's okay. been a while since I read this, but I'm fairly certain. Um, that sounds right. And then uh, some Punisher comics. Which is Gosh, you, you cannot get enough. Cannot I know, that's, get it, enough it's surprising that, that I put War these Journal. in, but like, I, I think that the, uh, if my memory serves, the reason I put these in, because these are the type of Punisher, Punisher comics that I like vibe with. Um, mm -hmm. We'll get to it, but it, it's been a while since I've checked. And then Tales of Astonish number one, I don't know why I put it in. I don't remember. It's been a long time <laughs> since I wrote this. Well, that should be so, interesting. So that'll okay. be a surprise to me as well when I read Who it. is even in that comic? Do you have any idea? No, the thing? I don't know. Uh, Tales to Astonish number one, 1994. What does Google tell me? Oh, oh, it's a... Um, no, wait, why? Why would I do this? Okay, well, let's find out on the episode. Yeah. Let's keep it a surprise. Let's find <laughs> yeah, out. No, right. I, don't, I don't know join us, Join us next episode to find out why the heck Tales of Astonish is going to be talked about. Uh, again, you can find all these issues in the show notes. Uh, if you want to support the show and find all the comics, you can go over to patreon.com slash 
My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at Comic Book Herald. You can find Zach at social at My Marvelous Year. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. And yeah, 1994 Part 4 coming up next. Charlotte will return. Uh, the testosterone will be, I don't know, Severe, like cut, like, cut like, by one third. Yeah. Like how intense was it this episode? I feel like we weren't very, <laughs> I feel like we weren't grunting enough for something, right? We weren't doing enough of a Tim Allen home improvement, uh, uh, you know, impersonation. Maybe, Can maybe we do should that? do this episode do again. Good, I wasn't, I wasn't good. curling weights the whole time. Like, I feel like I totally missed my window to just like bro out, you know? Yeah, we, people love it when they can hear heavy breathing on the line. Uh, Gosh, in the background—that's that, everyone's favorite podcast thing—is to hear breathing. Well, it's, I get that feedback a lot on uh, on work calls now because sometimes I'll like take a call while I'm like working out, literally, and uh, I'll, you know, then I'll like surprisingly get called in and I have to I have to respond, but I'm real breathy, you know, like a lot of breath. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, like performance is up, like. <gasps> 35% year over year. <laughs> well, you're always a- answering the Zoom calls, uh, at, you know, on the ground with push-ups. 999, uh, 1,000. Oh, hey, didn't notice you there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, and then I, but I'm also like, I sell that as performance, right? So I'm like, performance is up 100, you know? And they're like, okay, good. Sounds great. It's pretty good. Cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Good story. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And we will see you next year. See you next year.